What are you looking at? Can you hear that clicking sound? No. Do you, you you probably never watched Harry Potter Puppet Pals. What is that ticking noise? <gasps> oh yeah! Snape. Snape. Severus Snape. Dumbledore! Okay, we're cutting that whole part out. Anyways. Listen, which is the first piece of advice we have for you for today's topic. This is your mom writes books. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking about what your mom said, and that is not meant to be a sexual innuendo or an office reference. Yes. We are talking about dialogue. Yes. And I'm Caitlin McFarland. I am Charlie and Holmberg, she said. Okay. Yep. It's going to be one of those days. <laughs> yes. It, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Charlie already introduced the topic. We're talking about dialogue. And did you say the point of view in the – did you say that? No. Okay. No, I didn't. The other things are a surprise. So – Just kidding. <laughs> so going along with dialogue, we're also going to touch on point of view and voice mm-hmm. because they're kind of all interrelated. They're one of those like Venn diagrams. Where they're not the same thing, but they kind of like touch. Yes. Well, yes. I would say there's overlap for sure. Actually, that's funny because just before this, I was like, hey, Charlie, listen to this thing I just wrote. And what we were talking about was the voice of the character. So look at us. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't even realize. Uh Look at us, guys. We're practicing what we preach to you, checking in with each (laughs) other, getting feedback, ignoring each other. Just kidding. (laughs) Always, uh, Super always listen to Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> well, you were just like, look at these. Look at these. You're not looking. And I was, I don't remember what I was writing something down. Oh, that was the dice bags. I was showing Charlie some dice bags. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into it. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about dialogue. And I feel like dialogue is a tricky thing to teach. And the reason this came up is because I had mentioned to Caitlin that I wanted to do a class like at a conference on dialogue. But it is a tricky thing to teach because I feel like the only thing you can really do is show people examples of good dialogue and be like, do it this way. (laughs) Right. I have gone to so many dialogue classes at conferences, like teach me the ways of being good at this. And I almost feel like nobody has ever really kind of gotten there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like so preemptive homework. The best thing that I think you can do that we aren't going to be able to do here with you today is to find your favorite writer who writes your favorite dialogue. Now, if it's a TV show, TV shows are actually fantastic for this because dialogue is their main thing that they're writing, really, I think. I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't write screenplays. I mean, they are also writing scenes and like whatever, whatever, I think. But oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm so good at that. Listen, (laughs) listen. Which is the first point of advice we're going to have for you today. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So screenwriters, their big thing is dialogue. You can learn a lot if you literally just sit down, take your favorite show that has, like, dialogue that you love, sit down, transcribe the dialogue, write it down, look at it, look what it looked like on the page, try and be like, what are they doing here? That kind of stuff. 
So that's your preemptive homework because we can't do that with you, but yes. Yeah. So when we say listen, listen to the dialogue around you and like Caitlin said, listen to the dialogue in good movies and TV shows. You really need to internalize how people talk because I feel like good dialogue is this careful balance between really contrived and unnatural dialogue and then really like over the top dialogue. I'm like, the first thing I think of is Gilmore, Gilmore, I can't say, okay, sorry, I have a speech impediment and that triggers both things, Gilmore Girls, which is so funny and witty, but their dialogue doesn't totally always seem natural because it's so packed with fun and wit and like, who talks like that? Not I. Not I, said the chicken. <laughs> oh my gosh. And on the other hand, we have this contrived dialogue where people talk the way that they would never talk. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is Maiden Butler dialogue. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by Maiden Butler dialogue, they have like in these old shows, you go to the house and the maid and the butler are talking to one another and they say... As you know, our master recently divorced his wife and is very upset, you know, because they're trying to set the stage for the audience. But realistically, the maid would not go up to the butler and just reiterate something they both already know. Yes. Like, I would never go to Caitlin and be like, as you know, Caitlin, you have written a book. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. that Yeah. Maid and butler dialogue. What's Isn't there another? Oh, I also call it as you know, Bob. Um, as you know, Bob. Yeah, it's two characters reiterating something that they both know, because when you are talking about things that you, when you have shared knowledge with a person or a group in real life, you can refer back to it. And it doesn't always feel because sometimes people do need to be like, hello, reminded of the topic that you're talking about. But yeah, to just like let people know what's going on. It's much more natural for the maid to approach the, the butler and say, the master still isn't feeling well. And, you know, the butler would be like, oh, I, I tried bringing him his favorite breakfast today. I guess that didn't work. And then in, uh, what's the word I want? Introspection. You can say, like, if you're in the maid's point of view, just say, the master had lost his wife recently, blah, blah, or whatever it is. Like, it's okay to put that in introspective or in, in narration. Internal, mo- like an internalization. Is that the word you're looking for? Internalization. Thing. Yes. Yeah. So I'm here to just vomit. And then Caitlin makes sense (laughs) here's a really good example here's the other thing you have to balance though so if you've ever actually listened to how people talk like how we are talking right now we don't always talk coherently i had a linguistics class i took once and we listened to a conversation and people don't finish their sentences or they jump around a whole bunch or say ums and ers and like interrupt and all kinds of stuff and we our brains can follow all of that okay but you can't do that in a book. So even though that is actual, completely natural dialogue, you wouldn't write that way in a book or it's super disjointed. Mm-hmm. Yes, you guys have no idea how many you – I'm doing it right now. <laughs> you hear me speak so many circular sentences where I stop and start and stop again, and you have no idea how many of those I actually just cut from the podcast <laughs> so that I am comprehensible. Because podcasts are also – unnatural dialogue. Charlie and I know we're talking to you guys and we're trying to be very clear. Whereas if we really were just talking to each other on the phone, gosh, I can't even complete a thought. Like 50% of the time I start a sentence and Charlie just has to finish it for me. 
or vice versa. And so I think that's why a lot of times, especially in like big epic fantasy books, it's very popular to have a main character who is naive to how the world works or how the magic works or et cetera, because then it's natural to explain it to that character and then therefore explain it to the reader. So like in Mistborn, Kelsey are explaining how the magic works to Vin makes sense because she doesn't know, but he would never have that same conversation with Ham, who is a magic user and is very well versed in how it works. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. There's uh, This is why my books that are published involves a character being introduced into the magical world. I've tried to write other books where the character just existed in the magical world for a few years, and I was like, this is so much harder. Yeah, it's harder to, to get it across, and that's why that's such a popular thing to use. So what else do we say about dialogue? Said is your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, definitely talk about that. I do think it's becoming more of a widespread thing where, like, back in the day when we were in high school, you'd have English teachers who were like, <laughs> don't use the same word. Instead of saying said, say expressed. Or she exclaimed. Exclaimed. Or, gosh. She repeated. Oh, repeated. Yeah, there are so many funny. <laughs> he ejaculated. She chuckled. She <laughs> chuckled. <laughs> but uh (laughs) i think that one's in harry potter that's really funny yeah so dialogue tags like said is invisible and that's why it's such a great word to use said because people don't notice the word said but if you're being saying i don't know how to talk in straight sentences caitlin exclaimed neither do i charlie belched (laughs) she I keep messing up because I'm thinking too hard about what I'm saying on this podcast, she stated. You know, those stand out they, and they really jump off the page. In fact, when I, I tried to reread Paper Magician, which was my debut novel, I think last year, and I couldn't get past the first page because I was like, why? What's with these dialogue tags? No, <laughs> so it wasn't so much because I was using weird words. It's that along with using said to be invisible, you don't always have to have a dialogue tag like that. Really quick. Well, we've been asked to define our terms more. Uh, So a dialogue tag is literally the thing that comes after the dialogue that is she said, he said, he stated. So you have, you know, quotation mark, dialogue, comma, quotation mark, she said, period. The she said is a dialogue tag, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like a hashtag to let you know who's speaking. (laughs) It's not like a hashtag at all. She chuckled. Oh my god. She corrected. <laughs> she corrected. But yeah, so while she, while she said he said is pretty invisible, I honestly think one of the best things to do is to get rid of the dialogue tag entirely because you can also write a sentence like Caitlin adjusted her microphone. I think you're doing a really bad job. <laughs> We know it's Caitlin talking because Caitlin just had an action and then the dialogue immediately follows it. Yeah, on the same paragraph line. Yes. Which I completely agree with, Charlie. This is something I've tried to implement in my own writing for, uh, yeah, a while now. So, mm-hmm. And that's what I wish I'd done more on the first page of Paper Magician. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know each other then, Charlie. I could have helped you. <sighs> it's Gosh. too late for me. Mm. Save yourself. She cried. No, we have to be done doing that now. She bellowed. No. <laughs> so yeah, a great, a good thing that you can always do. And this is honestly, even just to catch copy editing and proofreading mistakes is to read stuff out loud. Admittedly, I have never read an entire book out loud because that takes a lot of time. And, and my does. voice box 
it's it's good for big sprints, but not like long <laughs> distance things. I used to read my books to Will sometimes. He would let me, we like, you know, we would chill out and do that. But yeah, on my last road trip, I started reading um, Keeper to Jordan. But I don't know what it is because, like, I very rarely lose my voice. I'm very loud and I talk a lot. But when I'm reading a book, like, after three pages, I am exhausted and my voice box <laughs> starts to hurt. And I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how audiobook narrators just talk. Like, they'll record a whole book in two days and I don't understand. I mean, they're trained. They're trained. They know what's up. Yeah. So, also, speaking of reading it out loud... I will always catch a mistake in my book when I listen to the audiobook because <laughs> somebody's reading it out loud to me and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's even better. If you can get somebody else to read your book out loud to you, that is the best way to catch mistakes because mm-hmm. – and also like – or if they if you have written something that can be easily misinterpreted because they'll read it, you know, without your preconceived notions of how it should be said. So they'll put the – you know – they may put the emphasis in different places in the sentence, which could change the meaning of some sentences, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So. Very true. I have, I won't name it, but one of my audiobooks has a narrator who is reading all the lines that I had written for a character. And this character is supposed to be a very like lighthearted individual. And she reads his lines so dully that even though he's saying they're saying all the things I wrote, it just comes across as just like <sighs> You know, and I couldn't listen to that audiobook because I really didn't like it anyway. But yeah, that's a really good thing to do. And again, you always want um, critique partners. Mm-hmm. I definitely have flagged dialogue when I've been critiquing before, and I've had dialogue flagged for me before. Mm-hmm. She yep. stated, she, she punned. No, that she comes punned. at the end. Well, I will say really quick because I have a couple of friends who are who are super newbie writers and I've been enjoying with them work. I've been enjoying working with them so much, but uh, they do this. At least one of them has done this thing when they are writing dialogue where they put a period. So in the quotation marks, they put a period and then they capitalize their, she said, or whatever. Just make sure you guys know that the way in American publishing, right? This is American grammar, British grammar and Australian grammar. And I don't know about Canadian grammar, but like, I know that there are differences with this. So this only applies for Americans. If you have, you have a statement where the comma or where the period would go, you put a comma and then a quotation mark and then the dialogue tag, right? If you're putting a dialogue tag, if you're not using a dialogue tag, if you're going to say anything that is not a way you could say a a thing. She continued. (laughs) Any Yeah, so anything that's like, he smirked, right? Like, you can't smirk words. So that would be sentence, period, quotation mark, capital, he smirked. That's a different sentence, okay? Okay, but look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm going to smirk words to you. No, don't do it. Hey, Caleb, how are you <laughs> Oh, my gosh. No. So <laughs> if you have an exclamation point or a question mark... Or an interrobang. Just kidding. Um, that and you and you do have a tag, so you're doing he said, so it would be part of the same sentence. You do your question mark or exclamation point, and then quotation marks, and then lowercase she said, right, and then period, because that is still the same sentence, even though you have the question mark or the exclamation point. So I just wanted to 
put that out there. I hope it's so difficult. It's so easy to show somebody this stuff. It's so weird to, to try and verbally explain it to people. But yeah, I just wanted to put that super basic grammatical stuff out there in case you are unsure. That's all. Correct. <laughs> so another thing to move on to when we're talking about dialogue is your character voice. Mm-hmm. Because you can use dialogue to really differentiate how your characters talk and who your characters are. And even to a point sometimes where if you don't have a tag on it, we know who that person is who's talking. Yeah, if you can reach that level, you've arrived at dialogue heaven. You've done it. Yes. So things like um, inflections, diacritics, which please don't use them heavily, um, word choice. What are diacritics, Charlie? I don't even know what those are. Um, Mark Twain. So like when you say, when you write it the way it sounds. Oh, don't do that. Flat out, don't do that. I'm fine if it's super light. Like if you have one character who always takes the G off of his ING words, I think that's fine. I don't like it. It it disrupts the flow of reading for me. And also you run into a lot of dangerous ground as far as stereotyping accents and doing it incorrectly if you're not familiar with those accents. Okay, well, we'll have a cage fight. We're scheduling for Friday. $5 ahead if you guys want to come over. We'll have it in Provo and we will fight and the winner gets to keep their advice on the podcast. I win. Veto. <laughs> I think that I actually don't. I think I used it just a little bit actually in Spellmaker. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I don't use it very often. Yeah, I never use it. I just say something like, so if you want a character to have an accent, the way that I go about that without, because like, okay, so somebody who did this really hardcore was J.K. Rowling, right? Like, think about how she wrote, because I'm using her because Harry Potter is practically universal. The way that she wrote Hagrid's dialogue, right? That's what we're talking about. So like, she spelled things differently. She had a bunch of apostrophes when he would cut off words, that kind of stuff. It's generally avoid that. It's sucky to read. It's disruptive. And yeah, um, if you don't actually understand the accent you're trying to portray, you could do it in a way that is offensive. So what you would do instead would be to just state like he said in his Cockney accent, what I'm not doing a Cockney accent or, you know, Hit, Please like, do a Cockney accent. No. Please, sir. That's <laughs> – no. Please do a Cockney accent. No. <laughs> and Please. so – Please, so. sir. Please, she begged. Do a Cockney accent. <laughs> we want to hear it. Flatly, no. So <laughs> – So, or, you know, you would say, like, you know, he he said in his low southern drawl or whatever, you know, uh, you can use something like that. Yeah, people just imagine it. And I also did that in Spellbreaker. Yes. There was one character with only a few lines. I I think I did diacritic him a couple times. Mm -hmm. See, here's another option, though. What you can do if you are comfortable with the dialect, and oh my gosh, please do your research. If you're comfortable with the dialect, if you have a character who has a different dialect, study the word study the word placement and study the vocabulary and the slang and the whatever of those dialects because the oftentimes like the rhythms of speech are different and you can capture those rhythms of speech without resorting to diacritic stuff. And so you can capture the essence of a dialect without, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to actually put like phonetically spell it on the page, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, and you can also differentiate, like, sometimes people speak in shorter sentences or run-on sentences and stuff like that. I People are probably going to hate me for this. So I just turned in Starfather to my editor, and I have a character who speaks very slowly. And the way that I bring that across is that he does not say more than three words without a period. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm like, he doesn't talk that much, Uh but... So hopefully it's okay, but I did that, and we'll see if it makes it into the book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm interested to read that. Yeah, that's a good point. And now we've kind of moved on from dialects, and we're just talking about – we're back to talking about how to differentiate characters, right? So Yeah, character voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so even just those things where I have a character in a book where whenever she says thank you, she says my thanks. Like just little things like that yes. to just differentiate these characters. Yeah, because you got to remember this, and I think – I, th- I don't remember if this ended up staying in the character naming episode, but I went on a linguistic rant at one point. <laughs> and- you ever not? <laughs> <laughs> no. And every person, right, has a language that they speak. And within that language, they have a dialect that they speak, which is, you know, they're re- usually regional, right? And then every person also has an idiolect. And your idiolect is how you personally use language. And everybody has like words that they'll use that other people don't as much or ways that they use words. When I was in high school, I had this friend and she cussed a lot, but like it was just the way she did it was hilarious. I can't, and I can't replicate it and I won't on this podcast, but her idiolect was just really funny and I laughed all the time, but it was, (laughs) she was one of my favorite people to like listen to speak because the way that she spoke was so funny. Yeah. Actually, one of the reasons that we always start this podcast with listen is because Caitlin says it all the time. Listen, I'm from Ohio. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) Listen. So we thought that was real funny just for us. <laughs> yeah, that was I was it at the request of Charlie's husband, I think, that we started the podcast that way, or was that just I don't you? remember. It could have been. Yeah. But yeah, and then like another thing is like word choice. So interesting on both sides of this coin. I have a character that I that I'm working on who uses really big vocabulary, which is actually tricky for me because her vocabulary is bigger than mine. And so it's hard to write somebody like that. So I have, I'm signed up for the dictionary.com word of the day. And whenever it's a weird big word that I think I could use in my book, I write it down. And so I'm going to go back and do an edit just to up her vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell my editor, I want her vocabulary to be like pompously smart. Mm -hmm. And so please help me with that. And on the other side, like, so Caitlin and I have mentioned that we've co-written a book together. And the two, ironically, weirdly, the two characters I control are the less educated characters. And the two that she controls are the more educated characters. And she's actually um, had the flag stuff that I've written saying, I don't think that this character would say that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've got to I got to tone it down and make it match like right. how this character would speak. Because it's not that she's not smart because she is very, very smart. She say she can express herself really well, but she just doesn't use, in my opinion, she wouldn't use long, complex words to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a funny thing. Speaking of idiolects and things. Yeah. So my dad, the angrier he gets, the longer his words get. So it, when he's angry, things aren't stupid. They're asinine. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me about this. Yes. And so I just, yeah, it's so funny. I'm not good at improv. So off the top of my head, I could not go on a fake dad rant. So yeah, things that were 
just dumb are now incomprehensibly asinine and stuff like that. Like just (laughs) that's my dad. He's fantastic. And I kind of do it too. I don't know why. I guess I feel powerful when I'm imposing my fairly useless education on the people around me. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's also like when you're mad at your kids, you use their full names. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, and that's something to talk about too. I guess nice to throw in there is like, keep that in mind. It's your character's emotional state. People do speak differently when they are feeling emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a good thing. Like that's something really great to use in dialogue. Like if somebody is feeling like panicky or uncomfortable, they might use run on sentences or if they're being really curt, like, one, two word sentences, really brief responses like that can show like anger. Yeah. And, and you know, this is a good way to show character difference too, because so where my dad uses really long words, the angrier he gets, my sister, when she gets frustrated, all words leave her and she just goes, <laughs> and which is so, another way to differentiate character. Like exactly. how do they talk when they're mad? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So That's keep that great. in mind. You don't have to do what is would be considered normal for every character you can do what would be true to that character yeah it's a great way to introduce quirk like if your character starts doing something weird with their voice or their dialogue when they're say angry or when they're sad that isn't even normal considered normal for that emotion that's mm-hmm. a really great way to introduce character quirk which mm-hmm. differentiates your characters and makes them more likable and you know different yeah because that's what differentiate means. It means different, in case you're wondering. I was wondering, Charlie. Thank you. Hey, I have a joke for you. Are you ready? I oh, just came no. up with this. Oh, no. What does my dad, Elder Uchtdorf, and President Trump have in common? They all say it's huge. Oh, my gosh. That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's a coincidence. Have you known? People, like, in that age group, they always say it's, like, it's it's huge. They Boomers like huge. to say huge. My dad also huge. says huge. It's huge. huge. Yep. Age is such a good factor to consider when differentiating character voices. Especially kids. When I read, like, and it's supposed to be like an eight-year-old on the page and they're talking like an adult, I'm like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Yeah, unless that child is a prodigy, like genius child. Um, But yeah, that's so true. But yeah, like, think about that. Like, how... People who are older, and if you, especially if you look historically, like people were talking on the radio like this, you know, like, I mean, you can't, I don't know how you'd translate that into the written word, but. Imagine translating Captain Kirk into the written word. <laughs> you just put ellipses after. Oh my everything. gosh, that's who I wrote. I wrote Captain Kirk into my book oh, where there's a period no. every three words. <laughs> Great. Now I'm going to picture him as, what is that actor? What is that, that little name? turtle god? It's going to, what is his name? I can't remember. I'm so bad with actors and celebrities, though. It's fine. Everyone on this podcast is screaming. William right Shatner. William, William Shatner. Shatner. They're like, it's William Shatner. So now my my slow-speaking turtle god is William Shatner. <laughs> I will picture him thusly. <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah. I mean, that's a lot about dialogue. That's a lot to unpack. And like I said, it's it's so difficult to sit down and be like, how do you improve your dialogue? Because it is such an individual thing. And so the best thing to do, I think, will be that homework I talked about. I think I'm I do it sometimes. There's nothing like actually typing out somebody else's dialogue to make you realize like what they are doing. So and I say that for 
the spoken word if you're transcribing a TV show, but also if there is an author you like who writes dialogue really well or who has a prose style that you admire, transcribe their work, sit down, open that book next to you, and just start typing what they wrote on the page. And putting yourself through that exercise involves both your mind and your actual fingers typing and is super crazy and helpful. I think you will see a difference. I believe it. That was something once, it was in that prose book I really like. It's called The Writer's Portable Mentor by Priscilla Long. And I can't remember precisely what it was for, but she had an exercise in there where you take a passage from somebody that you really like and type it out. Because when you read a book and you just enjoy the book, you're you're in that world, you know? You're not studying the craft. You're mm-hmm. you're just experiencing the story. Mm-hmm. And when you actually stop to study the craft and type it out and force your brain to focus on it in a different manner, you really do learn a lot. Yes. Okay, so last thing we want to talk about that has to go with this is is point of view. Point of view, POV, which is a we live in a point of view or POV, which we will probably abbreviate it to, is how a story is told from a character's perspective. Mm-hmm. So there's first person point of view, second person point of view, and third person point of view. First and third are the ones that are generally used in novels. The only time I really see second person used, which is you. Okay, so first person is I, second person is you, third person is he, she. So you walk into the bar and you order a drink. It's in those um, choose your own adventure novels. Right. There are a few authors who have actually experimented with that. One of them is um, Tamsin Muir in, I think I, that's how you say her name, Tamsin Muir in, in um, Harrow the Ninth, which is the second book. Uh, I don't know what this series is called. The Gideon the Ninth series? Gideon the Ninth is the first book, which I enjoyed. Um, Lesbian Necromancers in Space. Great fun. (laughs) So Gideon the Ninth is book one, and then book two is called Harrow the Ninth. And Harrow the Ninth is written in second person. It's pretty fascinating. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't quite finished it yet, but I've heard every single person who finished it is like, oh, it blows your mind. So I've only heard good things about that series. I really Mm. should pick it up. Yes. But yeah, so that's you. So that generally that's not you. First and third person are much more popular. And then you also have past and present tense. So first person present, first person past, third person present, third person past. And then in third person, we have limited and omniscient. Mm -hmm. So the omniscient is like Dune, where you have a separate narrator who is telling you about everything and you can be in one person's head hearing their internal thoughts and then all of a sudden in the same scene you're in another person's head hearing their internal thoughts. Yeah, a lot of like I'm doing air quotes classic fantasy is written this way. A lot of older mm-hmm. fantasy from like the eight seventies, eighties and nineties is written this way. I think it was kind of going out by the nineties, but Yeah. Because now the more the more popular one is third person limited, mm-hmm. where you're in one person's head hearing their thoughts and only their thoughts for the entire scene. And once you change to a new scene, you can change to a new character. But everything in that scene is told from the eyes and from of the character that you chose. Yes. And I my so third person limited is my personal favorite probably because I came up reading a lot of books written this way and I thought it was so fascinating because what I like about third person limited is that you still kind of have the distance of and the comfort of a third person point of view which is like for me that's what I grip reading so that feels the most natural but you have the really awesome opportunity to really super dive deep into a character's personal thoughts into their way of speaking. Now, we should I think we should mention this too. 
if you're writing a third person limited, the way that I do it anyways, when I write in third person limited, I'm basically writing in that point of view character's voice for the scene that they are in. And so I don't have to, you know, so so it's almost like I write in such a deep third person limited, or I try to, that you can pretty much switch all of the um, pronouns to eyes and it would feel like that person's thoughts. It's not quite that deep, but it's pretty close, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're writing in third person omniscient, the narrator themselves can often have a voice. So I think Terry Pratchett wrote this way a lot. I think Douglas Adams wrote this way a lot, where the narrator is almost a character. You don't actually know who they are. They never appear in the story, but it is through the voice of the narrator that you are being told the story. And it's very clear when an author has a really strong, like really fun voice like Pratchett or Adams, that you are being told a story by some unknown entity. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing that's really great about third person limited is I feel like it adds a sense of mystery, especially if the person you have questions about is not a POV character in that book. Yes. So you don't know what they're thinking. You only know what the main, what the main character or whoever is head you're in is thinking. And speaking of deep, like you can get really deep with third person limited. The deepest point of view is first person person. where it's like, I did this, I did that. And you know, everything that person is feeling because that is literally the filter that is going through the book. It is their brain. It's not a narrator quietly telling you he's did this, she did that. It's I am doing this. And I think just instinctively, when you say I, you think of I, and it feels more like it's you. Mm-hmm. Agree. And you, and it gets a lot deeper that way. Whereas third person's a lot better for a wide cast. You can definitely have multiple point of view characters in, all in first person in a book. But if you're, can you imagine if the Wheel of Time was told all in first person oh my though? Gosh, that would be so confusing. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to have a lot of point of view characters, third person is a lot better because they're all named and you know immediately who you're talking about. You don't have to start the chapter with the character's name like by the chapter heading so you know who's talking. Yeah. So yes. In the book that Caitlin and I have written together, we have a cast of four people and all of them have a point of view and we write it in third person limited. Mm -hmm. Have you written a book in first? I have technically. Is Arcane in first? Oh, I think... My novella. I think it might be. I don't actually no. know. My book that I have written that is just that is currently shelved called Monsters Made of Stars. I don't remember if I changed it from first to third or if I changed it from third to first because I only had two point of view characters. Um, So I might have put it in first. I don't remember which way I did it, but it was a pain in the butt because the whole book was written. And to go back through and change just pronouns and, and verb agreement uh, was the most annoying thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating. I had to do that once, but it was only for one person's point of view. And he only had like 25% of the book. So it wasn't the worst. Yeah. But so that's an, so another thing, whether you write in present or in past, I would dare to say, correct me if I am wrong, that past tense in both first and third person does tend to be more popular. Yes, I think it's just kind of more done because I think that's how stories stories have always been told. Like going back to oral storytelling traditions, they stories have been told as if they happened in the past. And so I think that is what our brains are conditioned to like find normal. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But first person present is still is still doable, still usable. I don't think third person present is very popular at all. But first person present um, works. It's just more things are happening right now instead of you like saying them uh, they already happened. So yeah. I've written, I have personally written, I've written first person past, I've written first person present, and I've written third person past, and I have technically written third person present. And actually, that's the one that I had to change. Like, it was twenty five percent of the book mm-hmm. in Well in the Wilds. Um, I kind of played around with this a little bit for the characters, and I guess I got away with it. Um, Will in the Wilds is told from two people's point of point of views. The first one is Enna, and she is the main character, and the secondary one is Michalis, who is the love interest. And Enna is told, I think it's in present. Yes, it is. Enna is told tells everything in first person present, and Michalis tells everything in third person present. And originally he was third person past, but because Enna also spoke in present, we changed his to present as well. Mm-hmm. And that's not done a ton. It is done. I'm not the first one to do that. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea of this book is that Anna has a soul and May Collis does not. And so Anna being in first per- person, I want it to be like, you know this character. You're with this character. You're one with this character. Mm-hmm. And May Collis doesn't have a soul. And so there's this distance where he's in third person. Everything he does is in third person because he doesn't have that depth in him that Anna has. That's so cool, Charlie. You're so meta. Yeah, this is so this is what's interesting to me. And I'm just gonna say it and people can agree with me or disagree with me. I've always thought so like I like what Charlie did because it was relevant to the story. But sometimes when people get meta with POV, I'm just like, whatever. They're like, you can't tell a first person past tense story if the point of view character dies, because then how are they telling the story? I'm like, they're telling a story because I wrote it in a book. That's how they're telling the story. And so some people do go that deep with a point of view. I don't. I'm just like, it's more like a mood setter. It's like a tone thing, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't ever think about like, could they be telling their story later? That is not something that ever crosses my mind. It's a book. So that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if there's a way, if there's a word for that, but I have done first person pass kind of differently, whereas in Followed by Frost and... The Star Mothers series, I try to I write it as though it is after the fact and the person is telling you the story as it yeah. happened. And occasionally, yeah, she'll slip in and be like, if I had known this then, I wouldn't have done it. Yes, which is a way to do first person pass that I think is really cool. Then you also have first person past tense stuff where the author is just writing as if everything is immediate. And mm-hmm. so it's still in past tense, but they're still writing as if everything is immediate because past tense is kind of past tense is the set of tenses. It's invisible, right? So mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually a really smart way to say that, that past tense is the set of tenses. Invisible. <laughs> yep. I feel like there's a song called Invisible that I want to start singing to you, but I don't know it. I don't know it. I don't know. It's a Clay Aiken song. I think he has a song called Invisible, but I don't remember how it goes. Oh, remember Clay Aiken? Remember when that was a thing? Not really. <laughs> That was a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to say. (laughs) Oh, one thing I do want to say that has to do with character voice that I just thought of and why character voice is important is because there's there's something I see sometimes where you're reading a book and the main character doesn't have a strong voice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can take two books like that and you can switch the main characters 
and you wouldn't be able to tell that they were switched because they talk the same. They just have this very like straightforward, flat way of speaking that just seems very normal, but it doesn't it doesn't bring who they are into the story. Right. And I mean, that also I think is a function of just a bland character. <laughs> so make sure yeah. that your characters have a voice because the voice is the is the spark that will bring the character to life a lot of the time. Yeah. So especially and when you're in their their head, if you're in their head, first person, third person, the way they describe things will be in that same voice, even if they're not speaking in dialogue. Yeah. So a good example of this, and so I'm glad we're touching this because we did say we talk about voice a little bit. So we've talked about voice when we talked about dialogue. And when we say voice, we just mean the way a character's thoughts sound to themselves also, right? Like the way that they express themselves, the totality of how they express themselves. That's what we mean. Yeah. So for example, Caitlin walks outside and we're in her her head. Caitlin looked over at the mountains. They looked really sharp today. Caitlin liked sharp things. And then you have Charlie come out and Charlie says, Charlie looked over the mountains, but then her eyes went skyward to the sky. If only she could fly away. You know, it's like the things they notice, the way they describe things, you know, like Caitlin liked sharp things versus I wish I could fly away and yeah. be an angel. Oh my gosh. That um, was really bad. <laughs> I liked it. So uh, kind of a cheesy example of this, but uh, you know, one that will get the idea across also is like, say somebody's a photographer or a visual artist. They mm-hmm. will frame a lot of their way that they see the world and experience the world as, you know, visual metaphors. Like, like say there's something emotional is happening to them and they're kind of trying to disconnect from it right so their boyfriend's breaking up with them and they're like i framed the shot in my mind you know like he's down on his knees i don't know why he's down on his knees if they're breaking up <laughs> like, like metaphors like i shuddered myself you know that would be like that's a no that's a window metaphor because a shutter is a thing that closes it, a window what's the also. thing that you put on top of the on the front of the camera it, it's also a shutter but that's not that's, no, you wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Please, please leave a comment on our Instagram or Facebook posts for this episode and tell us if you think she shuttered herself for a photographer would work or not. The shutter is what closes and opens when they take a picture. So if you don't want to take a picture, you don't want to see what's happening, you close the shutter. It's you could say You could say it's like apt. she closed the shutter of her mind, I guess, I or something, you, but I don't think you say no. she shuttered herself. Shuttered herself. That would remind me more of like the shutters of a window. I mean, you could say it, but it's more like a window metaphor. Can I tell you, though, that even to this day, one of the, the very first copy edit Marlene ever gave me was to fix shutter DD to shutter TT for windows. And literally the last edit she just gave me was shutter DD to shutter TT. Like, I still have not learned. <laughs> we never learn. We never learn, Marlene. We're sorry. The windows shuttered and then shuttered. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, yeah, if someone's a musician, they're going to make music metaphors. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. Like, when we talk about voice mm-hmm. and how characters express themselves, like, you know, we're writers. So we might, if we were writing about a writer, which I always do think it's so cheesy when writers write about writers. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I did that, right? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> But you've also no. written 15 books, so you're forgiven. <laughs> I have. Yeah. my The next series I'm doing, I uh, the main character is an author. 
but yeah, he does. And he like refers to um, the love interest as like a book that he wants to read, for example. Mm -hmm. And he makes a few, and Caitlin hates these. I kept them in though. Like he makes a few things that could kind of feel like breaking the fourth wall because he's making these authorial comments that would totally apply to the author writing him. And I think they're funny and Caitlin hates them. (laughs) I don't hate things don't ask my friends um (laughs) uh no i think that's that's clever though like when you say it that way it does sound really clever so keep it i guess i guess you're allowed also if you think she shuddered herself works as a metaphor please comment on our social media and let us know who's right photographers only photographers who have authority can let us know i'm gonna text my photographer friend right now (laughs) (laughs) don't do it Oh, what else? Oh, yeah. But, you know, and so those are all artistic creative things. But, like, you know, as writers, we tend towards, I think, artistic creative characters. But also remember, like, there are people who love sports who are going to use sports metaphors. Anyways, just, like, dig around in real life. Look around. Maybe take stock of the people in your life. And, like, maybe write down, like, what – how do you think everybody in your friend group would observe something, right? Like, that could be an interesting exercise. When Caitlin turned down my metaphor, it was like a cleat to my heart. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't even know what to respond to that. I don't know if I should make a new metaphor. Give me another one. Give me another one. I'll do more. Give me characters. (laughs) Give me characters. Okay. um, A bridezilla. (laughs) Go. Oh, my God. The first one that comes to my head is like... She was choking me the way this corset was. <laughs> Her personality became as ugly as this dress she made me wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no. We've come across something that's a little too much fun for us. <laughs> it's a game. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So this pun will only make sense maybe to people in Utah. But, you know... Hop aboard the riding train, bring your friends, and you can ride in the POV lane all the way to Salt Lake. <laughs> no. Get it? It's called the HOV lane. That makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Other people have HOV lanes. I didn't know. I, I thought you places. looked like you were just about to lick your mic, like fully lick your microphone. <laughs> I don't go places. Do you watch StoryBots? <laughs> they're talking to the, all the different bones in the inner ear, and they're like, what do you know? You don't go places. <laughs> so funny <laughs> no my kids my youngest is almost nine i don't have to watch Storybots anymore me and jordan love Storybots. <laughs> once a week we sing the the sun song so hot so hot hey everyone i'm the sun i made from gases like hydrogen and helium <laughs> so good best kid show uh, i don't know i was always a fan of my little pony and phineas and ferb you don't learn you learn things on storybots. Who wants to learn? I just want to have fun with my friends. You learn okay. where French fries come from, and it's <laughs> at this weird oil spa that Weird Al Yankovic runs. We have to end this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I apologize. We've gone off the rails. Please leave us a review in the voice of your favorite character. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Let's. Okay. Back. Back on track. I've been, I have been, and still am, Caitlin McFarland. You can find me at Words and Geekery on Instagram, at ch McFarland, nope, at Caitlin McFarland author on Facebook, 
and CaitlinMcFarland.com. And I am the author of the Dragon Sworn Trilogy. And if you like D&D and you want to purchase a dice bag that I make with my own hands, you can go to my Etsy shop, which is also Words and Geekery. I'm Charlie Ann Holmberg. You can find me at CharlieAnnHolmberg.com and also at Twitter and Facebook and especially Instagram at CN Holmberg. And I am the author of the Paper Magician series, the Numinous series, the Spellbreaker series, and the upcoming Star Mother series, which has a really cool cover if you want to check it out and a smattering of standalones. And if you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. We update every Tuesday and take questions at yourmomwritesbooks.com. I mean, at gmail.com. Yes. And if you think that saying I shuddered myself works as a metaphor for a photographer, please email us and tell us that I'm right. (laughs) No, no. Please post on social media that she's wrong. (laughs) Please email Caitlin at Caitlin Dot. Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let me tell you her real email address, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for putting up with us. You're the best. We love you. And um, we have we're getting up there in in uh, downloads and stuff. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you entirely for people who come back week after week. It's like you're downloading my soul, and we are one. That's a bad one. I'm sorry, guys. Her mouth okay, is so close to her microphone right now. You told me I have to like make out with it, or people don't hear me. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Well, oh, and next week our episode is going to be on, or is it? It is next. Our week, favorite topic: the romantic wall. If we're you want to guess about... what our favorite topic is, I'm just kidding. no, no. Next week we're talking about romantic walls. We're talking about how to make your romance freaking awesome, and we're so excited because we love romance. <laughs> okay, yes, we do. Okay, bye, you guys. Bye. <laughs>